Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's podcast is comprised of testimony from our Youth Sunday service. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is Psalm 121, found on page 582 of the Old Testament section in your Red Pew Bible. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose that way of your wisdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. The word of our Lord. Hello, good morning. I hope you all didn't get too scared seeing all of us youth all of a sudden in the front doing our best to lead the service. Um, And before I even start, I want to give a shout out of appreciation for everyone who participated in this Youth Sunday. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Anika Velasco. I'm currently a senior at ETHS. I could share many different facts about myself, like that I am not a morning person, or that I don't like the spring forward part of daylight saving. <laughs> yeah. But in this case, what would help you best know more about me is that I have practically grown up in the church, the church with a capital C. For the last couple of years, my family has been at First Pres, and before that, we were at a Presbyterian church in Ravenswood, and before that, we were back at First Pres, and way before that, we were at a church in Lima, Peru. When my family lived in Peru, my entire life revolved around the church. I attended Fetzer Memorial Christian Academy, which was a school run for American missionary kids by Baptist mid-missions. Every day, we would have a lesson on a biblical story. Every Wednesday, we would pledge allegiance to the Bible. And every Friday, we would sing songs about Jesus' love for us. And outside of school, well, all I had was church. My dad happened to be one of the pastors of our church there. All of our family friends and my non-school friends came from our church. I loved spending my Sunday mornings with them, which would then turn into Sunday afternoons and nights. And I also loved being a pastor's kid and feeling like a celebrity at age seven when complete strangers would happily greet me. Even when I moved to this country in 2010, I was still surrounded by church life. When I was younger, my weeks were busy with Sunday school and M&M club and the Inner Steps dance group and pageant practice. And now, even though I am older, they're filled with pigs, the youth advisory team, the worship band, and, of course, Youth Sunday. 
My church-focused upbringing quite highly contrasts the way that my parents grew up. Both of my parents grew up in non-Christian homes. My mom, Allison, actually was brought to First Pres by a friend as a teenager, and this is where she became a Christian. Similarly, my dad was invited to a special program at a church in Peru as a teenager, and, well, it was the same story. And so they both went through this process where they had to go out and wholeheartedly decide to believe in God, follow God, and serve God. I, on the other hand, did not really have the same opportunity as them. I've spent my whole life learning about God, learning about what it means to be a Christian, but this caused me to question whether my beliefs, my faith as a Christian, stemmed from a genuine conviction in God, Jesus, the Bible, or if I was just conforming to my family's expectations. Did I truly believe in God? Or have I just blithely accepted what I've been told my entire life? And so, as I've faced this internal conflict, I've realized that the answer to this question depends on my personal relationship with God. If I feel like I have a personal relationship with God, then my Christian faith must come from more than just external pressures. And so, the question I would like to focus on is, how do I, how can we connect with God? And so this is where the passage of Psalm 121 comes in. Before I delve in, I believe that it is extremely important to understand the biblical context and the historical background of a passage in order to understand its full meaning. So Psalm 121 is commonly referred to as part of the Song of Ascents, since it is a collection of verses that describes a group of pilgrims traveling to Jerusalem. From my understanding, they were traveling to Jerusalem in order to reestablish the worship of God. The passage has many references to the idea of traveling, such as referring to nature like the hill that the eyes are being lifted to. Also, it references the potential dangers of your foot being moved or the sun and the moon, which is appropriately directed for travelers of the wilderness. The author of this psalm is not explicitly known, with some believing it was written by David and others believing that it was written by the pilgrims themselves. The passage makes two claims. First, that we as humans have needs. The passage lists many needs and potential dangers that we face. We must avoid letting our foot slip or be moved. We must avoid being harmed by the sun by day. We must avoid being harmed by the moon, which was an actual worry in those times. The countless more risks that are around us are condensed in the passage as all evil or all harm. In order for the travelers to continue their ascent, they need help. And in the broader picture for us to go through our lives, we also need help. We have many needs that we need help with. Sometimes it is major life decisions like whether you should move to a specific city or attend a specific university or accept a specific job. And sometimes they're not as major, but still feel very important in the moment, like when taking a test or meeting with your extended family or standing up in front of your church and having to give a speech that they will remember you by. (laughs) In order to combat these challenges that cause us to have needs, we typically automatically seek help from our parents, our siblings, our friends, and others who are around us. But the truth is that they cannot always be there for us. Even with good intentions, they might slumber. For instance, 
Twice a year at school, they have us do fitness tests in PE. These fitness tests consist of the sit-up test, the push-up test, and my absolute favorite, the pacer test. The pacer test is an endurance running test in which you have to run laps across the gym in a certain time interval. As you run more laps, this time interval gets smaller. And it just goes on and on until your throat is burning and you feel like you're going to pass out and you decide that you're just going to have to quit. Some people probably get a thrill at running like that, but let me tell you, I do not. <laughs> so to connect it back to my claim, when I am in PE running the pacer, I have a need, which is to stop running as soon as possible. As much as I would like my brothers, for example, to join me and tag me out during the pacer, that's not going to work. Not only would they not want to do that, they would also be busy during the day, my teachers wouldn't allow that, they wouldn't be able to enter the building, and so forth. There are many obstacles in the way. The people we trust in our lives just cannot always be there for us. So that leaves me, us, just like the speaker in the beginning of Psalm 121, lifting up our eyes to the hills, asking, where will my help come from? And me specifically saying, how am I going to get through this pacer run? The second claim the passage makes is that God will help us. He is always there for us. Psalm 121.2 states, my help comes from the Lord. Now, God isn't going to appear and run the pacer for me while I sit on the sidelines cheering him on. I wish. <laughs> the writer of this psalm promises that God will not let your foot be moved, for he watches over you and keeps you from all evil from this time on and forevermore. God does not promise to lace up his tennis shoes and go for a run. Instead, he promises to metaphorically pat me on the back and support me as I run. Or he might provide a way for someone else to help or support me. This is a concept that can be frustrating to grasp, since sometimes you just want God to swoop in and save the day. However, this relationship that Psalm 121 and so many other places in the Bible describe, in which the helpless mortal human seeks the help of the all-powerful God, is important. This is how I've learned to connect with God through this unconditionally supportive relationship that is described. When I depend on God, I do not have to worry about the environmental pressures. Instead, I am able to witness that he is there for me. As I said before, since I grew up in the church, I just somehow found myself in the Christmas pageants and in his steps. And so once I was old enough, it was just a natural step for me to attend the 2016 summer mission trip to Hancock County, Tennessee, which was right before my freshman year of high school. Uh, here's an image of all of us that attended that trip. I'm the one in the front left row who will shortly be regretting the 12-hour drive that is coming right up. Um, actually, though, I don't know if you can tell from this photo, but I was so incredibly nervous even before the car drive started. I was one of the youngest people going on the trip, and I really only knew my brother, Eric, and my friend, Kiki. My stomach progressively felt like it was being tied in a knot during the first five-hour stretch of our trip. At the end of those five hours, we arrived at the church in Cincinnati, where we'd be staying overnight before we finished our travels to Tennessee. 
It was at this moment when all of us entered the waiting room of the church that we were all together for the first time. Everyone seemed to be sitting down and talking to their friends, and Eric and Kiki had gone somewhere, and there were no seats left for me. I held myself together, but I eventually made my way to the bathroom and bawled my eyes out, completely and fully crying. I'd already felt incredibly insecure and scared about the trip, and this took me over the edge. I almost convinced my dad, who was a leader on the trip, for us two to stay in Cincinnati with some relatives of ours and then fly back. However, my mom believed in me um, and that I could get through this trip. But furthermore, I had a gut feeling, a uh, sense of intuition that I should stay, that it might be hard, but that I couldn't be scared away so easily. And so I stayed and I went to Tennessee However, the week wasn't perfect. Nearly four years later, and I still remember be, it being just a really difficult week for me. My nervousness and insecurity and fear of being excluded kept me from actively trying to engage with others, which well, just ended up with me being more on the sidelines. I definitely did cry several more times during that trip. I, I had a need which was for my anxiety to be taken away, whether that be through leaving the situation or being comforted. Looking back, what helped me most in my times of distress was the knowledge that there was someone else, God, who was looking out for me, who cared about me. It brought me an enormous sense of comfort and relief God had also put Kiki and Eric and my dad and many others in the right place to comfort me as well. The easy thing for me to have done was just to cry my way home and give up. But for some reason or another, that didn't happen. I can now see the positive outcomes that came out of that trip and how truly essential it was for me to go on it. In Tennessee, we worked at the house of this family who had such kind and open hearts. There, exi there existed many cultural and ideological differences between us, but witnessing how welcoming they were and how eager they were to invite us into their home, to cook us a meal, that demonstrated to me the true meaning of being a Christian. On this trip, I also made a couple of great friends as well as gained a youth group. I have a strong feeling that if I had talked my way out of the mission trip to stay in Cincinnati, there is a high likelihood that I would have never ended up participating in the regular PIGS youth group, at least not in the capacity that I am now, going weekly, participating in other events, winter retreats, and in following other mission trips. Though the youth group has gone through many changes in recent years, we have been able to grow closer together and form into a tight-knit community. And I felt like I had grown closer to God. My trust for his aid and for his uh, help and for his comfort has grown from that. Um, and um, that is how I've been able to connect with God through realizing that my relationship with him, this personal relationship with him, uh, exists. And just to summarize the points that I have made, Psalm 121 makes two claims. The first is that we have needs. 
The second claim is that God will help us. We can try to look to others for help or ignore our problems, but at the end of the day, that's just not going to work. We won't be able to get very far through that. And so what we can do is we can accept God's help for us. And through that, we can create a relationship with God. And so this is how I connect with God. Thank you.